0: Tonight is December 2nd, 2015, it's December, I know, it's December, got just a few days left until our calendar flips over to a different year. One of the things that I've been noticing lately in our services is this, Um, just uh, the title of our sermon tonight is Building Blocks, Building Blocks what i 've been noticing lately is that our sermons it's it 's interesting to me i 'm um, i 've shared this with you before. I tend to be a pretty big picture person. If you ask me a lot of details i 'll probably go uh, sure, let me think about the details because that 's not usually where i hang out it 's usually a, a bigger picture i 've been noticing in all of our sermons that we 've had lately I feel like they 've all been building blocks um, building blocks as in uh, I used to be a music teacher and so Uh, The very first day, I was still a senior in college. I had just turned 21. I was in my last semester in college. And uh, I went to Central High School right outside of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That's where I did my student teaching. So I walk in as, uh, I think it was actually, you know, my my semester would have started in January. This was the December before. I was just going out to meet the band director. And he said, hey, uh, you're here. Why don't you go teach the percussion class? I'm a student teacher. I'm a clarinet player by trade. (laughs) Right? I can do that. Uh, uh, Literally, my first day, hi, Dr. Winston, my name is Wade Sutherland. Are you going to be the student teacher? Yes, sir, that's in January on whatever day I'm coming. Okay, look, why don't you just go teach the percussion class because i got something to do. I was like, well, this is going to be a fun semester. (laughs) And so literally I started going out and I taught the percussion class the very first day that I walked in. I was just trying to meet him. And what we did in percussion, there's a thing that are called rudiments. And just as you might expect, they're the building blocks of everything else that you do in percussion. So I'm sitting there trying to teach high school level players this clarinet player. I didn't want to tell them that I was just a clarinet player. I was like, yeah, all right, let's start, right? And so what we did was we spent a third of our time at that class period just working on rudiments, just working on the basics. When I became a full-fledged teacher on my own, uh, at first, I started playing a lot of music. I spent probably 90% of our time playing music and only about 10% on the basics, the scales, the rudiments. The more that I taught, the longer that we started taking on the rudimentary things. Because I understood that if we got that really good, and the truth is, is my students needed to revisit it every single day. Before long, I was spending 25% of our music time on rudiments on scales and arpeggios and whatever those building blocks are in music. That's what we started spending. One out of every four minutes, I dedicated. And then it got to about one out of every three. And sometimes if I just didn't think they were doing it well, we'd spend 40 or 50% of our time on basics. Drove them crazy. They're like, we're here because we want to play something fun. And I'm like, I know, but I want you to play it well. And so we just continued to work on it. If, you're, if you come from a sports background... Your rudiments in sports have to do with the skills that you learn. How many times in a football practice do you do the same thing? You do it again, and you do it again. Actually, my my band students used to say, I had a habit early on in a teaching, uh, and I would say, let's do it one more time. They're like, Mr. Sullen, is this a band director one more time, which means it could be 17 more times, or is this actually one more time? I was like, okay, really, when I say one more time, I just mean again. Do it Again. And we're going to keep doing it again until you get it right. Well, that's if you've ever been in sports, that's what you do. You're going to do the same play again and again, and you're going to do it over and over and over again. And if there's somebody not doing their part, then you're going to break off into smaller parts. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to work on that skill until you can get it really, really uh, exceptional. I was thinking about matter. We have atoms. We have all these different things that are building blocks. We have an alphabet. We have the individual letters, really, which are just what? They're sounds. It's a system to convey sounds. Here's what some of the basics that we've been learning as a church. These are just general topics that we've learned over the past month. From everyone from Elder Baj to Pastor Eric to all kind of things. We've learned that through root upheaval that we've got to have a heart that grabs onto the right thing. We can't let our roots be planted in something when God is trying to move us. So what is, we've got to listen to God's voice we've got to obey a fundamental tenet of the faith, a foundational tenet. We talked about in semantic drift, where we have to hold on to the truth of God's word. We've talked about having our hearts tender before the Lord. We've talked about building our faith so that we're not trusting in what we see, but in what the Lord tells us. In Talmudim and the open door, we talked about discipleship. How basic is this to what we're doing? Last Sunday, or several Sundays ago, we talked about how that the Torah it inclines our heart. The prophets they warn our soul. That the writings direct our strength. Very foundational. This past week we talked on the Sabbath. What a foundational principle! It started off in Genesis, and we're still talking about it today. Something foundational. Now I don't think that the Lord is doing these things in series, uh, in a sequence of events. I think that He's being a good Savior to us and a good, good Father and saying, I want to remind you, I'm not saying that you don't know these things. I'm not saying that you've never heard these things before. But what I'm doing is I'm putting it back in front of you so that you can reorient yourself to what I've already said. These building blocks, you can't go further. You can't go higher. You may think you're really good at the building blocks. My students always thought that they were better than they were. They always thought that they were further along than what they really were because I had... The discernment in my hearing, and I could tell. When I first started teaching, it was one mass of sound. I was like, nobody told me this in college. Everybody that I was that I had music classes with in college, they were excellent. I the I was in the ensembles with the doctoral and the master's level students. I'm like, I didn't tell them, I didn't have to tell them how to play the note. They knew that. I just told them to play expressively, right? What do you do with a kid that's like? Really, that's what you give me. Her. I, I don't know what to do with you. Her, her. Yeah. Ah Nobody told me that. I know what to do to make the beautiful music, and I will be a symphony director, right? And I'm like, uh, this is different, because I've got to make you sound like what I know that the best players in the world sound like. So my job is to get you from where you are to the full maturity of what you're supposed to be. It took much longer than most people give it credit for. Is it, this is exactly what the Lord is doing in us. It's not that you haven't done those things before. It's not that you've never considered the idea of Sabbath. It's not that when you heard semantic drift that you were like, you know, I've never thought about it. Things shift. Oh, of course they shift. Why do we do the message that we do? Because God is saying, I want to develop you. I want to nurture you. I want to build you. These are foundational things. Yes, they are. And you know what? As believers, we should always take a considerable part of our day, of our week, to be reminded of these building blocks that God has for us, because they're what we can build upon. Let's turn to First Peter chapter two and verse two. First Peter two. and actually, let's back up, we might as well start in verse one. <clears throat> Therefore. I used to have a friend who would say this. If you see the word therefore in the Bible, you've got to look to see what it's there for, right? Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit. Not only towards others, I'm going to add this little caveat in here. Not only towards others, but towards yourself, right? Get rid of all malice and all deceit. Hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. As I said, of others and of yourself. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. Don't you just love little babies? If you guys have h- had children, if you haven't yet, then this is going to be a fun part. When they just, they're looking for milk and then they get some, oh, 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 this is great. There's something just just so sweet about a baby when they're, they're craving the pure spiritual milk. That's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to crave the purity of what God is saying to us. We're supposed to look after His word and just be, be rooting for it and be looking for it. And then when we get a little bit on our mouth, it should satisfy, it should just wash over us. This is the picture that we get here. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Nobody say, grow up. grow up. Grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Isn't that a beautiful picture that it's it's got there for us? The thing that I want to talk on tonight as part of our building blocks that God is doing is the concept of time. God uses time as a tool to demonstrate who He can entrust with more. God uses time as a tool. Everybody say time time as a tool to demonstrate who he can entrust with more. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start in the beginning. And when we get to the end, we'll stop. Genesis chapter 1 and verse... Let's just start in verse 1. The Hebrew name for this book is Bereshit, means in the beginning. Verse 1: In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. We know that you know if you've been around, you've studied this, God didn't create the sun and the moon until day four. But he created light and he created time on day one. He started this thing and says, I'm going to put a context. This is going to be one of the building blocks that I use to develop this people to accomplish my plan is I'm going to put a timer on it. And there's going to be evening and there's going to be morning. There's going to be day. There's going to be night. Eventually, there's a sun and the moon, the sun to govern the day, the moon to govern the night. But right now, he didn't even need a sun. He just says, I'm going to speak and there will be light. Because I said it, it exists. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to create these things and I'm going to show you something he's building. Building block. Have you ever seen, you know, the kids? We used to have those. Some of you youngins may not know these things, but we used to have these little cardboard. You can fold them over and they'd become little bricks, like red or yellow. And I remember those. We had them by the droves in our house. Like I think we could have actually built another house with those things. And what do kids do? They, They build them up and they knock them down. And they build them up and then it's just fun. There's something about these building blocks. Time is one of those things that God is doing. What we're going to talk about tonight is how are you using your time? How are you allowing God to mold you and to make you by the time? Are you not where you want to be yet? Are you in a different place than you think you ought to be? Are you frustrated with the Lord at how He's moving in your life? Are you not satisfied? Are you always looking for something else? Let me encourage you. God has a building block that He's using to form you. He's using it to form you. Genesis chapter 8 in verse 22 <clears throat> Genesis 8.22 says this, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest. Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. As long as the earth endures. And then what is the first thing that he says? Seed time and harvest. A planting, a time to plant and a time to reap. There are these things that I want to understand. I'm going to put in your life because they're just cycles you've got to go through. If you were sat in Mr. Sutherland's band class, you knew the drill. You knew that by X number of minutes after the bell or before the bell, you were supposed to be in a certain place doing a certain thing, and we got going because there was just going to be, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. Sorry. It's Wednesday night sometimes. All right, Curtis. <laughs> Curtis, Curtis felt me on that one. As long as the earth endures, I'm, I have this rhythm for you. I have this lesson that I'm going to keep teaching you over and over and over again. You know why? Because you need it. This is exactly why you're going to have to keep doing it over, because you need the repetition to help build into you certain things. As long as the earth endures, see time and harvest. Take a look at Genesis chapter 15. We're just going to progress through the Bible here. We won't quite do it in these few chapters. We'll, we'll start getting longer and longer gaps here. But I want you, I want you to see something tonight. We're going to go through the law. We're going to go through the prophets. We're going to go through the writings. We're going to end in the New Testament. And it's going to do something to your heart. And it should be an encouragement to you. So you can recognize just like what what was Jesus telling? Look, you can look at the the, and see if it's a red sky and no. You can look at the sign of the times and no. You can look at the seasons and no. But you don't understand what God is doing in your midst. I'm saying God is doing something in our midst. He's, he's doing something with us as a body of believers. I want to enjoy it. Amen. I want to notice that it's going on and go, huh, this must be a season for us to be doing something, Lord. Lord, you're, you're doing something. You're bringing beautiful families. You're bringing beautiful people into our mix. You're, you're, you're sprinkling us. You're doing some things. Let us pay attention so that we can be good stewards of what you're doing. We don't get frustrated with what's going on in our life individually. We understand how we fit in the bigger picture and we can advance your kingdom better. Amen. Yes? Are we all in agreement on that? Yeah. That's, what we're, that's what we want to do here. Genesis chapter 15. In verse 12. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. We've been studying Exodus on Monday nights at Foundation, and we're seeing how the fulfillment of this prophecy is coming forth. We're, seeing, we're watching them. We're watching um, the nation of Israel, God used the nation of Israel to judge the gods of Egypt. It's incredible. Every week we're going, oh my gosh, this is incredible. But we're, just, we're seeing the fulfillment of this right here. There will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved. And mistreated. How long? Four hundred years. God uses a time here and says four hundred years. How many people were born and died in the midst of the four hundred years that neither knew the freedom beforehand or the freedom after? A lot of people. The nation was growing from seventy to millions. How many? What if you're caught up in the middle of the four hundred years? What if your lot in life was to be from year 120 to year 190? In the middle of the 400. You're way past where you you came in. You're not even close to where you're going. But you still have a part to play in this. You still can look forward to a time that things are not going to be the way that they seem now. If you're in the middle of it, you're like, for my life... (laughs) I'm telling you that we're a group of people here who can see, who can see ahead and go, Lord, even if you don't fulfill this in my lifetime, I am praying. I am believing that there are going to be things that God has promised me that are so big, he can't accomplish it in my lifetime. It's going to have to be my kids and my grandkids and my great grandkids that fulfill it because it's just too stinking big and too stinking good. I'm not going to look at it and go, well, God must not have, well, I guess maybe He couldn't accomplish what He said. I'm going to go, all right, do I get to see it, mighty God? I sure would love that. But even if I don't, I'm going to look forward to a city whose builder and maker is God. I'm going to look forward to it even if I don't grasp it with my hands. You know what I see? The foundation in my forefathers was that whether they achieved it themselves or not, they stayed true to what God said. They did not let time... Or death stopped their faith. Wow. How are you doing with that? I get tired of waiting sometimes. I get tired of going, God, when are you going to answer this? Lord, when are you going to heal this? Lord, when are you going to do something? But he's been speaking to my heart and encouraging my heart about some very personal things that I've laid before him. And he says, "I, I feel like the answer he gave me was in due time. That's it. Oh, God. Oh, 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 oh. In due time. Seriously, that's all you're going to tell me? Yeah, that's it. Actually, I would never talk to the Lord like that. <laughs> that was very disrespectful. Lord, can, can you give me some more? Can you, can you, no. Are you going to, can you give me an idea when? Are we close? Or are we not close? In due time. That's all you need to know. There is a point in time for this. And when the time gets here, it's going to happen oh, well, then I guess I can relax a little bit, can I? Yep. I, can, I guess I can let my faith take over and my fear just die. Amen. I'm just going to put it to death. Lord, because you've spoken, I see that the tenants, the, the founding fathers, those who have gone before me in the faith, this great cloud of witnesses, they didn't care how long it took. They just stood firm, firm in your word. They will be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterward, they will come out with great possession. (laughs) By the way, they're going to be the slaves, but they're going to be so favorably favorably dispossessed that as they're leaving, the people who are kicking them out are going to be giving them their gold. They're going to be giving them their possessions. They're going to come out. You were slaves for 400 years. You have nothing. You're, You're generations of having nothing except what you were given. And now you're going to walk out and take the wealth with you. This is how our God works. He's the one that can put you in a fire like the three Hebrew children. And you can come out not even smelling like smoke. Well, um, that's not really possible. You're right. It's not. And that's how my God operates. He will dance around there with you in the fire. And then you come out and go, man, you weren't in the fire. No, I was in the fire. No, <laughs> let me tell you what it's like to walk around in a fire. And they'll go, but you don't even smell like smoke. Yep. That's right. That's right. It, t- it took me 40 years to get here. You know what? God can give me everything I'm all worried about. Lord, I'm losing time. Lord, what if a? I- and he's going, don't you think I can rectify that in a moment? He can rectify it in a moment. His will is easy. Is this not an easy thing for our God? Why do we fret? Why do we worry? Why do we squirm and try to rush things when God is saying, this is the very thing that I'm using to build you. It's because I love you that I'm taking time and I'm like a craftsman. I wish I knew how to do the, you know, the clay and do the pot and all that good stuff. Get somebody to do that one time for us and just watch as they do it and holding a line as it's going around. You know what I'm talking about? A little, whatever that is, lazy suit. What is that called? I don't know. Yes, thank you. You start shaping it and they, they kind of hold their hands still, right? And they, they, those things are going around and around. They're just holding their hands still. Why? Because it's shaping it. What if every one of those rotations is another month in your life and God's shaping you? What if it's another week? What if it's another day? What if it's another year and He's just shaping you? Are you willing to let Him finish the process or are you going to jump off the potter's wheel? I've got to go be... A vase. How about you let the potter determine when you're ready to go be the vase? How about you just worried about getting exactly the way? Just stay in his hands. If you're in his hands, where else do you want to be? Where else can you be more satisfied than in his hands? Letting him shape you, letting him make you exactly what he wants you to be. Genesis 18. Verse 10, Genesis eighteen ten. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah will be your wife. Uh, I'm sorry, and Sarah, your wife will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old. Everybody say old. old. And well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. In case you couldn't pick that up from the first part. They were old and well-advanced in years, and she couldn't have kids. Thanks. Just in case you had any doubt, we're going to eliminate it. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, am I, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? You know, one of the things I love, about, one of the many things I love about the Bible is it always shows the true condition of a person's heart. It doesn't cover it up. It doesn't, you know... Sarah is a, you know, a matriarch in the faith and what, a, what an honor and position. And it just says, yeah, she said to herself, look, after I'm all worn out, my master's old, I have felt like there are times in my life where I felt like I was worn out for what God could have used me for. But how silly in comparison, when I see that, I don't think of how weird she was. I think of how I, that reflects my heart at times. I go, I have some excuse that I go, well, God, I'm, I'm too worn out. I'm already past my... Pr- I'm, I'm, there's, I start thinking of the reasons why God can't use me, even though something He said, and now He's actually put a specific... You're on the last leg of the journey before this thing is fulfilled. In one year, you're going to have a son. How many years before that was it promised? About 24 years before that. Took, we're, on, we're almost on the 25th year when it's actually going to come to fulfillment. And... Look, I'm already worn out. I can't do this. Verse thirteen Then the Lord said to Abram, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Look at this next verse. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. It's gonna happen. If God said it, it's gonna happen. <laughs> Sarah was afraid. So she said, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did. (laughs) This little simple exchange that says, it's real, folks. This Bible is real. I was afraid. Um, I, I didn't laugh to myself in another room that you couldn't hear, but now you're telling me that I laughed. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you doubted what God said. We understand. We've been there. We've laughed at something that the Lord has said. And someone reminded, and someone had to encourage, and he reminded again. And the truth is, is on the inside we laughed and said, (laughs) that (laughs) that could probably never happen. And God's saying, I hear even the laughter that you have. I I hear those things even when you're discouraged and think that you're too old and worn out. You're past whatever that God can't do. And he said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Let's turn to Judges chapter 2 whether it's 400 years of waiting, whether it's 25 years of waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. Judges chapter (coughs) 2. Sorry, I'll have to figure out how to mute and then cough, not cough and then turn my head because it's still attached. That's silly, sorry. Some things, you know. Judges chapter (coughs) 2 and verse 10 says this. After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers another another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for the for Israel How is that possible How is that possible for God to do something so amazing in your life and the people who are around you, the people that you raise up, don't haven't heard the same stories that you knew? Haven't heard what God did in you and haven't been discipled like a Talmudim so that they are actually experiencing it and can replicate that in someone else? Amen. Far too long we sit around and we wonder about these building blocks and we only look at ourselves as the only cog in the wheel as if we are somehow isolated from all who have gone before us and all who should come after us. That's not how this works. If we've got a building block, we need to be able to use it and then teach the person next to us to be able to use it. Let me, let me help you. Chris, let me help you out. Here's where I am. I'm about 13 inches in front of you. And so, I, so I'm just going to turn around. I'm going to hand something to him. And you know what the expectation is? He keeps moving forward. And what does he do? He gets to a point and he turns around and hands it to someone behind him. It's a baton. You're, you're in a relay race. You're going to keep handing that baton off. You're going to keep handing it off. You're going to keep handing it off so that this thing continues to advance and it's something that's true. And it's something that's exactly where it started from. Not like the telephone game <laughs> when you were a kid. It's something that is replicated in us because we've actually been discipled. Generation. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the people around them. They provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook Him and served Baal and the Azareth. In his anger, Israel turned in his anger against Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them. He sold them to their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Just as he had sworn to them, they were in great distress. This cycle over and over is the book of Judges. You get the right kind of person in there. They did well as long as that person was alive. Then that judge or that ruler would die, whatever, pass on, go on. And then Israel would crumble. They would do worse than they had done before. They would get thrown into captivity or punished. They would lose the battles. They would cry out to the Lord. And then he would come and give them a deliverer. He would give them a Samson. He would give them a Deborah. He would give them someone who would help them. And they did fine in that span of time. But it showed that they didn't actually have it in their heart. Because after that ruler would go, we have these cycles. And God was, God was establishing something in the heavenly realm. Let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel, chapter 11. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. When there is a time for us to move and we don't move, it puts us in a place where sin can absolutely devastate our lives. Time. It's hard for us to wait for some yet yet to be appointed time. It's hard for us sometimes to figure out that now is the time. David missed the whole thing. In the spring, when kings go off to war, did the king go off to war? No. He sent other people to go off to war for him. And we know, Bathsheba, we know so many things that happen in this next, these next few chapters. <laughs> Does God have you in a season where you're waiting for that appointed time? Does God have you in a season where he's saying, you should be going off to war right now. This is the time for you, who is in the spring, to go off to war. You are a king and you need to go off to war. You know why? Because it's time. I won't try to replicate it here. But there's a guy who makes lots of money, who announces fights. And all he does is get really, really excited and say, It's time! He, he gets paid ridiculous amounts of money. That, that, that's his job. He walks out there, he announces the fighters, and then he goes berserk in the middle of the ring. It's time! And people are... I wish I had somebody like that in my life sometimes. <laughs> it's time! <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Let's recognize the sign of the times in your own life. Amen. When he says to go, when it's the right time, go after it. Yeah. Get out of the palace and go be in the war room where you're supposed to be. Go be on the battlefield where you ought to be. Let sin creep in and cause a problem for you. 2 Chronicles chapter 36. Second Chronicles chapter 36, and I believe it's verse 21. Let's go to verse 20. He carried into, ex- into exile to Babylon the remnant, who escaped from the sword and they became servants to him and his sons until the kingdom of Persia came to power. This is talking about King Nebuchadnezzar bringing into captivity all of Israel. Verse 21, The land enjoyed its Sabbath rests. I brought this up because we mentioned it the other day and I didn't actually read the scripture, but it fit with what we're doing here. We talked about how there's a weekly Sabbath, a weekly time. God's saying, I want you to understand, I'm going to use time as a building block. So I'm going to give you a Sabbath every seven days. You know what I'm going to do for your land? Every seven years, you're supposed to get the entire land a break. Israelites did not do that. He carried it into exile to Babylon. I'm sorry, verse 21. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rests. All the time of its desolation it rested. When God sets something in your life, it's going to happen. If you ignore it, you're just building (laughs) up. There's an appointed time when God will let wrath come upon us. We see the wicked and we're like, God, why don't you take care of them? And he's going, don't you worry about that. You can look and see when the Ammonites... Well, their, their time has not yet come. What does it mean? He means he's watching it. Hang on, it's filling up. Hang on. Why? Because God in his great mercy doesn't want to have to pour out wrath. He's giving... If, if he's looking at it and waiting and giving opportunity and warning and giving opportunity, and at some point it's going to be full. It used to happen in my house a lot. My dad would get full up at some point. And things would explode. <laughs> Wrath would be poured out upon his children. <laughs> that's it! I used to do that as a teacher. I would, after I got to teach for a little while, I, got, I felt the rhythms of things. And I'd look at my assistant and I was like, today, um, this, you, you guys might, this may sound manipulative and that's not the way I intended it. Today, the first time that somebody messes up, I'm going to go berserk on everybody. I'm not actually going to be very angry. It's just time because we've been lollygagging way too long and I've had enough. So it won't be an anger in that moment. It's kind of a residual burn. It's a long-term burn. So I will come out and I'm going to wear them out today. So I tell my assistant, I was like, it's coming. And if it doesn't get fixed today, then you know what I'm going to do again tomorrow? I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to do this for their sake so they'll come up to the level because they're living far less than they're far, they're living far below what i expect of them they're far too good, good of a group of kids and i'm going to i'm going to rattle their cage enough till they get going has god ever had to rattle your cage Yes. walking around in a sleep in a slumber thinking that the next work day is all that mattered thinking about the next whatever and we he had to just go hey <laughs> oh thank you Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah, well, sometimes he does that to us because he loves us. The enjoyed its Sabbath rest until all the times of its desolation. It rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. Turn to Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. Verse 12, Esther 4 and verse 12 says, When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer, Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will rise from another place. But you and your your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this one of the most famous passages on time you're going to get. How does this relate to us? <laughs> in my life, I have missed times that I should have spoken and I stayed silent. I remember when I was 12. I was 12 and I went with my dad my, and my dad in that season of his life was a car salesman. Um, and I went with him one day. I think he was either changing... I can't remember exactly at this point in my life. I think he was changing from one car dealership to another, so he was going to pick up his last check, I think. And I went, and I rode with him. I'll ride. Oh, yeah, come on, ride with me, son. And he went, and he pulled up, and he saw one of the guys that was working there. And I was going to say, roll down the window. We rolled down the window, because <laughs> that's how old I am. Amen. And my dad was talking to his adult friend across the way. And the whole time, I don't remember anything that they were talking about, but I remember that God was laying on my heart as a 12-year-old that I should invite him to church. And I got freaked out. I was like, but my dad's the loud, well, I'm 12 and this is an adult. And I, and I battled the entire conversation and I missed it. Oh, it's okay, you're 12. I, I so missed it that day that it, it made a mark in my heart I said, Lord, I don't ever want to feel this way again. I've missed it since then, by the way. But I remember that to this day that I was like, I was, maybe I was the one who could have said something and he been converted to Christ. The Lord was gracious and compassionate. And my dad saw him six months later and he found out that he started going to church. And, and God, God had done that, but God was going to allow and use the 12-year-old to accomplish his purpose. Because I got scared, God is big, and he did what he wanted to do in that man's life. And I was so very thankful. I was so very thankful that my failure didn't, wasn't the end for that person. Are there times when you're silent when you should speak? The time is that you should speak, and you should rise up, and you should let boldness come forth, and you should let God impart his word to other people. Is the, are there times where you should speak that you miss the time? You can't always go back and get what you missed. Take advantage of the time, this building block. The God who is not at all bound by time, who uses time constantly in us. He's saying, now is the time. Go right now. No, it's right now. Today is the day of salvation. Right now it is. You can't go anywhere else. Perhaps this is the last opportunity for that person. Perhaps this is not even about that person, but about your obedience and saying, now is what I'm saying to go. Go. You don't know all the things that I'm doing because I who know the beginning from the end, can tell you when to go. I don't know if you've seen, uh, I enjoy spy thriller kind of movies. And there are some where someone is speaking in the the spy's ear and he just has to trust this all-seeing person who's got the computer and says, all right, there are three people coming up. Wait, 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 now go. And they just... All these very serendipitous, right? The guards go by and the, the spy sneaks over to the next place. Wait, stop, no, go. Okay, two on your right. Ready? Go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I love that. I'm like, this is what that's what a Christian lives every day. All right? There's someone that, that's gonna come up today, and that's why I'm allowing you to read this scripture this morning so you can have the right word for them at three PM. You think you think a spy movie can outdo my God? Seriously. You think a spy is more, has gotten more going on than in, in their life than we do in ours as a believer? Why? Because we serve the God who is not bound by time, who knows the beginning from the end, and is using every second as a building block in our life. Amen. Every day that we have to wait for something, it's just another spin on the potter's wheel. Every second that He tells you to do something, you do it right then. Every moment that He says wait and not go, you better do that. Why? Because He's using time to build things into you. Amen. If it's a building block... If I'm not trying to spell something out, it doesn't matter how I position it. I'm just going to build. I'm going to build with it. I'm going to do what I want. Time is no big thing for our God. It's just a building block to use in our lives. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I hope this is making sense to you. You (coughs) Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says this, 3 and verse 1. I'm sorry, I hear hear some pages flipping. I'll I'll wait. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1 says this. There's a time for everything. Everybody say, there's a time for everything. Does God actually mean that? Apparently he does because he says it. And a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down. Huh. What if the Lord needs to tear down some of our old thinking? And a time to build up some new righteous thinking in our lives, right? A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace And a time to refrain. Hmm. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. Guys, as I'm reading this, God is just quickening in my heart. I'm thinking people. I'm thinking people that I know that I'm like, oh, this is the season that they're in. They're trying to search And God says it's time to give up some of those old things. They're trying to embrace something and God's saying, you need to refrain from that. I, I can think of people as I'm reading this. That's why I'm a little bit slow and labored in it because I'm just thinking there is really a time for all of these things. A time to keep and a time to throw away. Spring cleaning. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. I was in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. And I was leading a team of people to go to Mozambique. And we were going through the airport. Um, the customs agents incorrectly told us to do something, but we figured out later that it was God that caused him to say that. They told us to get our luggage. We weren't supposed to get our luggage, but had we not gone and done that, we missed the flight. We had to stay in Johannesburg unplanned overnight. But had we not done that, volumes of things that we brought for the kids and the orphans would have never gotten there. They would have lost all of it because they lost that extra piece. The only piece that, that they left on the plane got lost. So God was saying, uh uh-uh, don't worry about the extra night. I'll take care of that. So we're going through customs in Johannesburg and I'm getting the last of our stuff because I realize that our flight is taking off as I'm looking at my watch. And so we're walking through. I'm trying to process what's going to go on and some of the youngest uh, travelers were up in the front. They were in their early 20s. Well, the customs agent kind of just furrowed his brow at them, and then, so they just kind of whimpered. And then so he made eye contact and he forced them off to the side. I was like, don't stop. <sighs> and he was there, and, oh, you, you must pay tax, taxes. No, we're not going to pay tax on this. We're, we're going through here. We're going to take this to orphans in Mozambique. I'm I'm not going to pay a tax. just not going to do it. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And he starts going through. And in this moment, this is a time to be silent and a time to speak. And he got there. And I just sat there and I just looked at him. For the longest time. And it made him so... Like he... I realized what the Spirit of God was doing. He was becoming antsy. He had the gun, he had all the authority. And I'm just going, ah, 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 you, what, ah, ah, just go. From forcing us and not going to let us go until we paid him money so he can keep it in his pocket. And I was like, no, 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 this money is for the orphans. I'm not going to give you any of it. And then just sat there and I was just silent. It was awkward. People were like, Pastor Wade, what were you doing? We thought you like stroked out on us or something. <laughs> I was like, I know, right? Awkward. There's a time to speak in it. Just let us write on. He, he, it, he, he short-circuited. You could just see him go, ah, just go. <laughs> Thanks. All ten of us. <laughs> you know, there's a time. There's a time for these things. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Turn over a few pages to Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 6. It says, For there is a proper time and a procedure for every matter, though a man's misery weighs heavily upon him. Since no man knows the future, who can tell him what is to come? No man has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the day of his death. And no one is discharged in time of war. So wickedness will not release those who practice it. For there is a proper time and a procedure for every matter. Turn to um, Zephaniah chapter 3. And then we're going to end up in the New Testament here. Zephaniah chapter 3. Turn to Haggai and back up a book. And page 1258. If. <laughs> Zephaniah in chapter 3. And let's look at verse 20. It says this. At that time I will gather you. At that time I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. At that time, I'll gather you. There's an appointed time for things that are going on in your life. Matthew chapter 24 says that I told you these things ahead of time so that when they happened, (laughs) He'll give us warning. He'll encourage us. Let's look at Luke chapter 12, verse 12. Luke 12. 12. Let's read verse 11 helps put in context here. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. Have you guys ever rehearsed what you're about to say to somebody? Have you ever while someone is talking to you, you're not really listening to them talking because you're trying to figure out what you're about to say? You know, you have (laughs) that's part of the human existence. Sometimes I can miss what someone is saying to me because I'm worried about what I'm about to say back to them. The Bible says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit, everybody say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Will teach you at that time what you are to say. <laughs> at that time, in that moment, as you're going forth, it, Jesus actually kind of does this in some of his in some of the New Testament. He says, um, "There's a time that's coming, and has now come. It, is it is it now come? Is it coming or is it now come? I imagine that as he's saying it, there's a time that's coming. Oh no, it's right here. And literally, that moment came as he was saying, and so he just said it that way. Don't worry about what you're going to have to say because at that moment, the Holy Spirit, at that time, the Holy Spirit will teach you what you need to say. Growing up, I, I think I may have shared this before, um, I, I, was a, I was a daydreamer. I, I, um, I'd be in a classroom and, and second and third grade and I can remember thinking like, what if a bad guy came in? I'm third grade, right? You know, I don't know what it is. Seven years, eight years old, I just remember thinking, like, if a bad guy comes in, oh, it's on. <laughs> I can run. I can jump off that desk. I, can, I don't know what I thought my little seven-year-old self was going to be able to do, but I thought it. I was going to win. And I always wanted to win, and I always knew that I was going to win in my, in my head, in my daydreams. But the truth is, is I always wanted to get hurt just a little bit, just so you could walk away with, like, a cast. People are like, what's like, what happened? saved a child, you know, <laughs> defeated the bad guy, <laughs> you know, nothing like permanent, I always want to scoop a baby up and save them from the oncoming car, but didn't quite, you know, caught my leg just a little bit, sucking, so hey, what's up, oh, this old thing, <laughs> it's nothing, just saved a baby, you know, <laughs> true confessions, my friend, true confessions, honest truth, honest truth, this is, this is the way that I, you know, Now, the older I got, the less I got about, you know, just the heroic, and I started adding conversations. Have you ever gotten mad at somebody in your thoughts, and like, about what they could say? Like, this is not even a real conversation. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting all worked up, like, what? What'd you say to me? It's in your head, man. There's not actually a conversation going on. No? Okay, maybe it's just me. Okay, last one. I've gotten in trouble with my wife before. And she'll get up and she'll be mad at me. And I'm like, what did I do, baby? She's like, in my dream. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. God. And, oh, man. Like, you, you know that's not real, right? In the dream, the bear came out, and you decided to go play a game of cards. What? I apologize for playing cards with the deer and not attacking getting the bear. I'm like, I don't know. No, maybe that's not happened ever to any of you guys. The whole point of that is, all right, I know, I know some of y'all feel me. When you're brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you're to say. Can we not worry about conversations that we haven't had yet? Can we not put ourselves in a tizzy over things that aren't actually real? I, I kid around and, 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 I mean, it's true, but it's funny, and my wife and I laugh at it, and, you know, she holds me not liable for, for things that happen in, you know, in dreamland. But don't we all do that, though? Aren't there times in your life, if you're not careful, you're fretting what is not actually happening, and it is taking over your entire being as if it were real? Baby, there wasn't a bear. I give you my word. If a bear came through our house, either the bear's dying or I'm dying, because I'm going after it. Oh... <laughs> Now we're done. Do not put yourself in a place where you miss God and you insinuate that our God who has got all of creation in the palm of his hand is not going to take care of you when it actually matters. When the moment comes, we serve a powerful God. He'll give us the words we need. He'll stop the sun in the sky. He'll cause the shadow to back up 10 degrees. He'll cause whatever needs to happen. He'll cause one angel to come and kill 185,000 people if that's what it took. To save you and me. Oh, amen. That I'm not going to fret about what I need to say to that worker, that co worker. I'm not going to fret about that conversation that I'm going to have with my mom or my dad. I'm not going to fret about because he's too good. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. at verse 1. Galatians 4, one says this, What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. Hey, congratulations, you just inherited 27 bazillion dollars. But you're a four-year-old. You know what's going to happen? You're not going to be actually in charge. Tr- it's yours. It is rightfully yours, but you're not going to be able to take possession of that until at a much later date. There are going to be trustees. they are going to be uh, guardians over you to help you. So that does become the most incredibly terrible thing that has happened in your life. There's something until you can get to a time of maturity before things are fully released to you. No matter how much you want to run that race and say at nine years old that you're ready for the $27 billion to be released into your account, I'm not sure that you have a fully understanding of what an account is. So let's just back up for a second. If the God of all creation has given us everything that we need for life and godliness, how about we allow him to use the time as he sees fit so that we're mature enough to handle the fullness of what he has for us. The problem isn't what we're going to inherit. The problem is our ability to be able to handle what we're going to inherit. And anybody who's a decent father would say, you're not ready for this yet. Yes, I am. Now, by the fact that you're you're 27 years old and you're now laying on the ground pouting and kicking and screaming that you're ready for this inheritance, I'm going to say you're not ready. How do you know you're ready? Well, there's got to be maturity to what you're doing. Allow God to use this time in your life, the time that you've waited on things, the times that he tells you to act now, that he uses time as a building block to add to your maturity so that you can enjoy. I own it all, but there are times in my life when I haven't been ready to handle it. I'm ready to fully launch out into what God has for me. Well, man, when you are ready, then God's going to release you. When you're ready and it's ready, when the, when the appointed time comes, He'll put you in it. Why don't you just trust Him that He'll put you there? I felt called, I've shared this many times before, I felt called when I was 16 years old to be a full-time, five-fold minister of the gospel. 16. It was not until I was 35 where that actually took fulfillment. 20 years, man. And that's pretty short. I can look at Moses. And Moses was 40 when he decided to go check out the Israelites and killed a man. And then went and spent another 40 years in the desert before God used. He was 80 before he began to lead the people out of, with, with the Exodus. And he spent another 40 years leading them. He spent two-thirds of his life not doing what he was destined to do. Don't worry about that. You just take the time that you take the time that you're in the season that you're in. You grow, you mature, and trust that God is good enough to put it, put you where you need to get put. He can move heaven and earth. It's easy for Him. It's easy. Why won't you let me start this business? Cause you're not ready for it yet. It's okay. I'm not saying you're terrible. I'm not saying you're not on the right track. I'm saying apparently there's an appointed time. So how about you just worry about loving Jesus and getting all you can from Him and being just like Him and He'll release it to you. And if you're going through the fire and you won't have to smell like smoke, you know what I take that as? All that time that you think you're losing, you're not losing it. He's just going to give it to you at the end. And you're going to go, I didn't even work for that. (laughs) <laughs> that, that whole plan grew a lot faster than I thought it would. Oh my gosh, this, this is so much better than I thought it would. Oh, I'm so glad that, that I waited for the right person to give my heart. Oh, it's so much better. Yep. Amen. You can try it on your own and not get where God wants you to, or you can just trust Him and say, He's got the timing, folks. He's got the timing. I'm sorry that this is the way it is. I'm sorry you got to wait. Actually, no, I'm not because this is what he uses. It's the building block. Amen. If I said I'm sorry, it'd be, I was trying to be sympathetic. I'm actually not that sympathetic to it. <laughs> Lest we think that timing is what God is using against us. If the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was given as a gift to us. Let me encourage you. I think that God has given us time as a gift. I think that time was made for man not man for time. Because there will be a, a point where time will melt away. It's not going to be needed anyway anymore. You know why? Because we'll be complete and we won't need that building block. We'll have matured past that and it'll go, time is not a problem for you anymore. Done. Now we're just in eternity. Don't worry about it. Oh, well, amen. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, everybody say fully come. God sent his son. There was an appointed time and then God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons because you are sons God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you, no, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Wow. Can we be encouraged by the word of God tonight? One more passage, Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> as we wrap it up. Ephesians four eleven. It was Jesus who gave us some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's one of my favorite passages. Till we all, everybody say all. All. You know, very difficult Greek word here. All means everybody, right? All of us. Till we all reach the unity in the faith. (laughs) And you're doing the sled drills and and football. Coach blows the whistle and you're all supposed to hit that sled at the same time and push it down the field. If somebody in your sled isn't pushing it right, the <laughs> guy on the end decides he's going to halfway do it and y'all start going in a circle or something, that's never good. You realize we're not all pushing the same way. When you're all trying to get with somebody to help them move and you pick up a piano and you're all carrying it and then somehow somebody just turns and opens a door. <laughs> How much of this thing were you actually carrying? <clears throat> till we all have our hands on it, till we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, Then we would no longer be like infants, tossed back and forth by the waves. If you are being tossed by life, then in some area you may still be infantile. God wants you to grow up. How do I know if I'm being an infant? Or are you being tossed back and forth a lot? Do you have a lot of good days and a lot of bad days? Do they seem to oscillate back and forth? I'm going to say that there might be a place for you to judge yourself according to the word and say, Oh, Lord, that's, that's enough of that. I need to grow up. Would you help me grow up, Lord? Would you help me in these things so I'll no longer be like an infant tossed back and forth from the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful schemes? Instead, speaking the truth in love. So on one end you have being infantile. Instead of being infantile, speak the truth in love. When we speak the truth in love, it helps us not to be like a baby. We get to grow up a little bit. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head. (laughs) The head is already fully mature, right? This picture. We will grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. Christ is fully mature and we're trying to grow up and catch up. I've said this before, and my children are here and they are awesome and I love them, and this is no longer the case. But when my kids are little, they're bobbleheads, ginormous noggins, little bitty baby bodies. Yeah. They had to grow up into their head. <laughs> it's true. Be like, oh, 50th percentile. Hi! oh, great, 50th percentile of weight, great. 97th percentile in head circumference. <laughs> and you're like, geez. Hey, Dad, what's up? I'm like, oh, my little bobbleheads, come here. Anna still does that to my large noggin. She'll just come and she'll jump in bed and she'll just, Ugh, around my head, which is probably about this big compared to her body. You know, she's like, right, we're going to grow up into the head. You're welcome for that visual. <laughs> Thank you. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in what? Love, as each part does its work. We all have to do this. We all have to hit the sled at the same time. We all have to be doing this. I can't go and say, um, I'm going to go on in the Lord, and whether Mandy does or not, well... No, no, no. No, we're a body. I want us all to grow up. That is my heart's desire. That is what I am wired for. That is what I think about when I go to sleep. That is what I think about when I wake up. Lord, how can, how can we do this better? Lord, there are people and they need to know your word better. Lord, there. how can I help the body? How can I help us to all mature? All of us. If you're young, if you're old, if you're in the middle, how can we all... Because we grow and build itself up in love as each part does the work. The rest of this chapter is so good. I'm going to just leave it. And then we will no longer be infants. But verse 14. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Verse 15. Instead... Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is what we are called to do, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we are. We are the body. We are growing. We are thriving. We are going to continue. If you feel weak and stretched out and worried and burdened about these things, let me encourage you. Part of what we're doing here is we're speaking the truth in love and we're allowing God to use building blocks. We're allowing the rudimentary things that the Lord is teaching us lately. Faith. Discipleship. Truth. Sabbath. Holiness. We'll be learning about these things for the rest of our lives. Because if we have it now, we're going to need to be reminded of it tomorrow. We're going to need to be excellent at these things. Why? Because my part of the body and your part of the body, I want you to be at least as strong as I am. Actually, I want you to be stronger than I am so that we're growing up in this thing well. Let's all stand.